Welcome to the Do Good Radio Hour with Bluegrass Community Foundation. Here at Bluegrass Community Foundation, we believe doing good inspires good. It's the gift that keeps on giving. The intention behind the show is to encourage you by sharing the undeniable good happening within our community. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Kayton, and I am part of the communications team here at BGCF. This is an extra special edition of the Do Good Radio Hour, as it is the month of February, and we are pleased to honor and celebrate Black History Month. Bluegrass Community Foundation's Board of Directors has created a charitable fund to advance racial equity and address anti-black racism. It is called the Lexington Black Prosperity Initiative. And through this initiative and their committee, BGCF has been given the opportunity to collaborate with many different leaders throughout the community of Lexington who are spearheading positive change within the black community. The Lexington Black Prosperity Initiative kicked off 2021 right with the 2021 Grassroots Black Leadership Award honorees. This award seeks to recognize individuals who are on the front lines leading the vital work of addressing racial equity, disparities in the black community, and social justice across Lexington. This award provides an unrestricted stipend of $2,500 in recognition of their efforts at the grassroots level to affect change in our community. The initiative has continued their efforts into February through a collaboration with Dr. Candace Hargons, the executive director of the Center for Healing Racial Trauma. These free six-week online sessions will allow black community members to discuss lots of different things concerning racial identity. The Lexington Black Prosperity Initiative here at BGCF seeks to be an active part of the change. This episode highlights others who are as well, so let's welcome them and hear their inspiring stories. All right, everyone, please welcome Tanya Torp, another active agent and positive change for our community. Hello, Tanya. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing really, really good. We're excited to hear all about the good things that you're doing. So first, let's get to know you more. What are you doing? What are you up to these days? <laughs> so I am the executive director of Step by Step, and we work with young single moms ages 12 to 24, and we just walk alongside them, support them love them, but also offer some programming and some resources for them to be able to um, really just be the best moms that they can be and to reach their goals. It's such a unique organization. It's awesome. So tell us, you've kind of already done that, but tell us a little bit more about the mission and the programming that you all do. Yeah. So these young women are some of the most resilient and amazing young women that I have ever met. And our program, our whole um, response to what they're going through is to really be about an empowerment model, to empower them to reach the goals that they want to reach for themselves and to empower them to have the resources that they feel that they need. So it's really driven by them. Uh, so our program, we've been around, this is our 26th year. Wow. And um, when moms come to our program, they come to us in a myriad of different ways. Some of them come because they're in crisis. So maybe they need housing or they just had a baby and don't know what to do. Uh, maybe they just found out they were pregnant and know that they need resources or they are in a situation like domestic violence and they're maybe not quite ready to leave, but they want to know what are some resources in the community that they can access. And so we're, we want to walk alongside them as they work through whatever they're going through in their lives. Um, but also we have moms that come to us just because they want friends. They just want other young women who are in their same position to be able to understand and walk through life together so that they have some support. Yeah. So have you seen this, your impact of the organization on our Lexington community? It seems like it has had such a large and tangible impact. Yeah. So we're actually the only ones doing this work in Lexington. Um, and so 
over the years, we have responded to what these young women say is what they really want. We have responded to the ways in which their lives have changed and grown. And so knowing that they have a place that they can come physically to our office um, and receive support, but also we offer weekly programming where we provide transportation, we provide childcare uh, for infants and then programming for children. Uh, and we also provide a hot meal. So every Thursday night, we're going through town, picking up all over town, young moms and their kids and providing that outlet for them to be able to just an opportunity for moms just to be young women with one another, to laugh, to have fun, to impact one another. And it's just an opportunity for them to be away from their kids while their kids are learning and growing at the same time, but just to have something that's just for them. And so the kids really enjoy being a part of our program as well. We've got a lot of volunteers that make that happen. Um, but it's just a beautiful community is what we can offer to these young women who are just making it every day, doing the best that they can and thriving while also being just very young parents. So uh, in Lexington, the impact that we've made has been an economic impact. So whenever someone invests in our programming, they're investing in these young moms who are the future of Lexington. They're investing in these young kids who are the future of Lexington and they're watching them wow us all. That's such a good point. And just the power of community, that's what you know BGCF is all about. You were selected, first of all, congratulations, by the Lexington Black Prosperity Initiative for the Grassroots Black Leadership Honoree. So describe what that means to you personally. Yeah, for me, it is, um, it's an incredible honor and it's an honor that I take very seriously because there are a lot of amazing Black individuals doing good work in this community. Um, and to be recognized means that, um, that I am following them and the work that they're doing and that we are lifting one another as we all rise. So for me, it's an incredible honor to have received that phone call, especially um, to know some of the people that are on the, the, the committee and to also know those others that were chosen with me um, is to be in the ranks of some amazing people that I'm very humbled to walk alongside. Um, we are not only cre creating community, but we are um, already walking into places that have been established by other amazing Black leaders who set a precedent for us. So it's incredible to um, have received that honor and to be able to recognize other Black folks that are doing this work um, has been incredible for me. You seem like a dreamer with big plans. So how are you planning to expand because of this honor? Yeah, so um, the work that I get to do at Step by Step as the executive director is so empowering and impactful, not to, just to the Black community, certainly to the Black community, but also to other communities. About 40% of our moms are young women of color. Um, however, so there is an impact that's made there. But the other impact, I think, is really in the way in which I live my life. Um, so our home is really a space for people in the community to come. I live in the east end of Lexington, and our home has been a hotspot and a hub for community development, um, for community neighbors to come together to know one another. Um, we host, uh, when it's not COVID, a weekly uh, pancake breakfast called Heinz Breakfast, where people, anybody, is welcome in our home. And um, they can come in and meet other neighbors and be in community with people that may not even think the same way as them. It's, it's been known as a place where you'll meet Democrats and Republicans and socialists and anarchists all sitting down together 
uh, over pancakes and waffles in our home. Um, it also means um, the work that I do as a consultant outside of my work with Step by Step. I am a diversity and equity, inclusion and accessibility workshop leader, trainer, uh, someone who takes that very seriously. And so in order to work with some local nonprofits as well as national organizations to really uh, elevate the conversation that we're having around equity and inclusion and our own biases and ways to be an answer to a lot of the vitriol and a lot of the polarization uh, that is happening uh, throughout our world right now and has always happened, to be honest, has always been happening. But to be able to be a voice in that space, I take that really seriously as well. And so um, being able to consult, especially making a difference in Lexington, to consult a lot of the companies and organizations in Lexington uh, to make positive change um, around these diversity issues is uh, an incredible honor to me. I can only imagine you have numerous rewarding experiences through all the activism you have been involved in, but if you can, what has been one of the most rewarding experiences you have had through your work? Um, there's, there are numerous, um, and one of the things that I want to make clear is that I don't operate in a vacuum, and none of the other honorees um, operate in a vacuum either. Uh, we have Many of us have worked together, but we recognize that there is already a population, already a uh, contingent in Lexington that are Black or uh, BIPOC folks, Indigenous, Black, um, other people of color, Latinx folks that have really paved the way for us to be able to do this work. So I want to pay honor to them as I'm thinking about what ways, what things that have really um, been impactful that have happened. I'm impacted by the work that they have already laid the foundation for. So I want to lift that up. Um, but I would say uh, affordable housing has been um, a passion of mine. Uh, it affects the young single mothers that I am honored to walk alongside. Uh, we have a crisis in Lexington of affordable housing right now, and I don't think I'm saying anything people don't know. Um, but this conversation has been going on for many years, uh, many years about the lack of affordable housing. And so um, I think it was about 10 years ago that in our home, uh, no, maybe seven years, I'm sorry. We said, let's have this conversation. So we invited all of city council. We invited the mayor at the time. We invited um, a lot of different nonprofits and we said, come into our home. Let's talk about this. We partnered with um, several organizations, but one of them was Kentuckians for the Commonwealth. Um, we also know that BUILD has been working on this for years and several other organizations. And I was fortunate enough to be um, on the commission, the mayor's commission for homelessness, as they were trying to decide as a city, what would our response be to this affordable housing issue? And so I had those connections and brought those connections together and they all met at my house one day. And this was an election year. And so a lot of the city council people came and the mayor came at that time thinking, I'm gonna be able to tell the people what I'm gonna do. And we asked them not to speak. And we said, this is an opportunity for the people that are most affected to actually share their stories. And one after one from people who are um, elderly and, and trying to live in conditions that are not suitable for them, to single moms, to young students, we're talking about the conditions in which they live and how hard it is to find housing. Um, and then we weren't done there. After the conversation, we went on a walking tour through my neighborhood, through the east end of Lexington, and neighbor after neighbor came out on their porch to say, these are the conditions of our neighborhood, and we care about our neighborhood, and we love our neighborhood, and we're here to stay, so we want you all to do something about it. 
not long after that, we finally got affordable housing to be a, an issue that the city really is looking into and establish that affordable housing office. And so um, that was not something that was done by me, right? It was a lot of people coming together over years and years to um, bring that to fruition, right? But being in that space where people could use their own voices was putting a fine point upon it. And so I'm really proud of that moment where we had um, government officials, nonprofits, and others in our home over pancakes talking about affordable housing and really hearing from one another. So that's one of the most impactful moments uh, for me personally and for others. I love the simplicity of that. Just talking over pancakes. It can start from there. You know, I love that idea. But you have given a surplus example of the way showing up can really change things. Just taking the decision to be active part in the change. And that's what you have done. And I feel like a lot of people want to be an active part of the change, but they don't know how. So my last question for you today is what advice would you give people, perhaps young people today who also want to be an active part of the positive change that's happening in our community like you have been? I write a lot on the topic of radical hospitality, which is transformational connection through welcome. That's how I define it. Um, I've done a creative mornings talk on it. I have a website, tanyatorp.com, where I kind of talk about some of these issues. And I think it is a way for people to avoid the polarization is to radically welcome people as they are into whatever sphere that they have, whatever space you might have. It doesn't have to look like opening up your home every week for pancakes to total and complete strangers walking in your home. It can look as simple as having a conversation with someone who's totally different than you and deciding that you're actually gonna listen. That's radical to welcome someone into your space either be um, uh, on a podcast or welcoming somebody into just a conversation that's different than you and really committing to listening first. And I think that's the place to start. There are so many opinions out there and a lot of us are um, have channeled that into being warriors on social media and it doesn't make not a difference in the world. What makes the most difference is when you are actually actively in relationship with people that are different from you, right? And then walking through that process together and committing that you're gonna be respectful of one another and not gonna stop until you get to a place of understanding. And if we do more of that, the world would look a lot different than it does now. I hope every single person in the city listens to that because that is so true for, I needed to hear that, so thank you. So last thing before we go, shout out where people can find out more about you and about Step by Step, anything like that. Yes. So um, I just want people to know step-by-step is a fixture, but it affects what we do, affects almost every part of Lexington. And so um, find us. We are at www.sbslex.org. So support us. We have been able to help young single mothers pay their bills during this time who have been laid off from work or at home doing NTI with their children and cannot work. We need people to continue to support that work. Uh, So we need you to find us at our website, step-by-step. Also for consulting, if you're looking for some consulting work, you wanna talk with your your staff or a civic group or your neighbors about equity and inclusion and diversity and accessibility, which is a big part of that, then you can find me on my website, tanyatorp.com. So um, you can look there and Tanya is spelled with an A, -A T-A-N-Y-A. So um, I'd be glad to entertain the idea of working with you in that respect as well. 
Well, Tanya, thank you so much for being on the show today and for speaking truth and also just taking that step to be an active part of the change. We really appreciate it here at BGCF. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Please welcome Ashley Smith to the show. She has an interesting story to share with us on the special Black History Month edition of the Do Good Radio Hour. So hello, Ashley. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me today. Of course. So tell our listeners about you and how 2021 is treating you so far. So far, 2021 is quite interesting, uh, but so far, so good. I, I guess I can say a little bit about myself. I am a Lexington native, lifelong resident, and I'm one of the co-founders and serve as the COO of Black Soil, Our Better Nature. That's exactly what I wanted you to talk about next. So tell us more about the mission, the programming, everything you do. I find it, I was looking it up earlier and it's super fascinating. So tell us more about Black Soil, Our Better Nature. Yeah, so again, we're a co-founded um, social enterprise. Our co-founder's name is Trevor Claiborne, aka Farmer Brown, the MC, and his journey has taken him um, through music and different, you know, twists and turns. Um, but it led him to attending Kentucky State University, where he received his degree in agriculture, environmental sciences, and he developed Farmer Brown, the MC, to help bridge um, urban and rural youth around career exploration in agriculture. And long story short about myself, I'm an industry outsider under five years in the sector. My background is in event planning and management, um, working in the hospitality and service industry. And so when this idea came together through both of our kind of skills and experience, you know, I wanted to put on events that would really throw off people's perceptions of farming and agriculture because, you know, I was someone who was also disconnected. Um, and when I think about the mission is reconnecting Black Kentuckians to their heritage and legacy in agriculture. And in those early days, we did that by encouraging folks who lived in Louisville and Lexington to come out to the rural small-scale farms that were still in existence, these Black-owned family farms that represent in 2017, when we started um, using farm data census from the USDA and Kentucky Department of Ag, 1.4% of overall producers here in the state of Kentucky are Black. And by focusing on relationships and allowing folks um, to, to find their place around this beautiful, you know, built environment, we saw a conversation and a spark you know, really shoot up in people. And so we piloted this program in Hart County, southwestern Kentucky. It's about 45 minutes outside of Bowling Green. And the Barbers, the Barber family, um, Barber's Farm, four of the seven siblings have returned to farming. So they had at one point dairy, they have their CSA, um, they run hogs and, and cattle, and they have a farm store in Mumfordsville. And um, we had the opportunity to pilot this program by running farm tours. So bringing folks there, meeting Andre and his brothers and his other siblings, his family, and then having a farm to table dinner where we enjoyed the bounty of his hard work and perseverance. And fast forward now, gosh, going on four years in COVID-19 world, we focused on doing CSAs and direct-to-consumer, business-to-business, getting that farm product 
ensuring it doesn't go to waste to those who can pay and to those who can pay what they can or at all, nothing at all. Um, so that scale, that large spectrum um, just really represents that everyone has to eat and that we're called to connect these critical, this critical base of farmers to more consumers. Look at what can happen with relationship and collaboration and what can come through a community when we just build relationships with one another. It can be as simple as that, which you explained, which is really cool. The Lexington Black Prosperity Initiative chose to recognize and invest in you as you were on the front lines leading the vital work of addressing racial equity and disparities in the black community across Lexington. So describe what this honor means to you personally. Personally, you know, I'm very appreciative and grateful to receive the consideration of this honor from the committee who represents some of the best leaders here in Lexington Fayette County. You know, we don't go into this work to receive accolades, um, but it does definitely help along the journey in the days when it can get tough, difficult to kind of have that wind to your back, that um, reassurance that helps you remember why you are doing what you're doing. Um, so again, having tons of respect for those who could have chosen, I mean, 10 other multiples of variety and diverse uh, individuals who could make up that group of 10 so many more times over. And so just humbled to have received that recognition. And it also allows us to continue speaking about our work and our mission to more broadened audiences. So the support through media relations and the press release and the headshots, the considerations and the intentionality uh, reflected again in the gift, in the recognition, really do push us forward even more. One of the co-chairs of the LBPI committee, Lisa higgins Horde, she described the honorees as our uniters, change agents, and community innovators. And you all remind us that greatness is available to anyone who wants to access it, which I love that idea. So how does this honor affect your work going forward? Going forward, again, it helps amplify. It helps us continue building relationships. It helps us continue building bridges and unifying folks. I'm exploring the depths of collaboration. So it's funny not knowing who was in our cohort um, and then seeing who was um, chosen once we started getting on some email threads. It's funny because there are so many folks we are already working with or we're on the verge of having a partnership or a collaboration be announced. Long-term partners who, you know, we've come up through you know, school and, the, and different scenes and, and things like that across Lexington. So to, to be recognized with those that we're doing work with and collaborating with shows the synergy, shows the power of what this committee and the larger commissions that are happening around the county envision. Strategic partnerships have been the thing that I've kind of hung my hat on in my different roles at at places of employment and now it's funny I think people are surprised now that I, I have the opportunity to work for myself that I wouldn't amplify or, or apply any of those you know energies or skill sets um, but again just being in this cohort and knowing that it's imperative for us as leaders to showcase a meaningful and sustainable partnership especially right now and 
a world that's so polarized, like showing that synergy is even more so um, beautiful and important right now. Mm-hmm. There is an element of sacrifice around dedicating your life to fighting for causes for the collective unit. So the whole idea of the grassroots awards is honoring those who are investing their precious time and many times personal resources to contribute to the greater good. So what reward have you seen from this? Oh gosh. Um, sure that, that's a tough question. <laughs> many rewards, many rewards. Uh, so before COVID hit in the later part of February, 2020, about 40 black farmers, chefs and makers gathered in a room at the university of Kentucky during the local food system summit. And I'm so grateful that we met and carved out what that year would look like because you know we were starting a new decade everybody came in like 2020 is our year (laughs) Uh many ways it still was it was brutal it was heart-wrenching but in many ways i still go back to that room and how powerful and how in awe people were to sit and be amongst this organic community that has grown it grew naturally over a three-year period. And looking back on that time as an anchor and a foundation for how we had to rise to the occasion and really step up and stretch ourselves, um, that's a win in the sales kind of moment. So that the personal sacrifices, I think we come as Black leaders here in Lexington and abroad in a from a legacy of sacrifice you know we watched elders and and other people that we idolized just knowing that the sacrifice uh the legacy of sacrifice that's been placed before us um is something that we know and understand but i think also like this new wave of leadership is embracing a more sustainable uh, self-care focus type of leadership. I, I definitely know I'm still learning and on that journey. And I'm so I'm thankful for the healing circles being offered from the committee in light of this work of really uplifting folks and, and providing them with some extra supports because it is really tough because you can feel really alone and isolated. And uh, again, just being a part of the cohort just uh, it gives us a greater sense of community and greater good and knowing that again you're you're not just by yourself you're really a part of a larger tapestry of work i love that larger tapestry of work that was so poetic love it so a lot of the reward of activism is hopefully creating a ripple effect generationally so for our last question, which is such a great question to, to leave off on, is what is a word of encouragement or advice for those who want to step up and be involved in the community, as you have done? Find where your skills and your experience fits in, rather than trying to fit everyone else's causes and passions into what your skills and your experience and your passions are. I think a lot of times people look at others highlight reels like this award is a highlight reel but they don't see (laughs) the locker room footage where you're putting the x's and the o's on the screen and know a lot of times the the greatness that you can see in the media 
of leaders and their journeys, that's been years in the making. So I had to learn to be patient with myself. I had to learn to, I don't know, really just be okay with being on my journey and my style and my approach of leadership to my work. Cause like I, I briefly mentioned a, a few questions ago, like, you know, I've been working since I was 13 and now I'm having the opportunity to quote unquote work for myself. And it, that 20 something year journey led me to this place, led us to this place. So wherever you find yourself, whether it be big, small, whether it be something no one absolutely knows that you're doing, you can be okay with that. Um, and if some, if it's something that everyone knows about, like allowing it not to distort your perception, your abilities, um, remaining as humble as possible. So yeah, that's, that's been my reflection, my observations on this journey of, <laughs> of living in Lexington, working, serving, and leading out. I love that. Shout out where people can find out more about you and your organization. Well, first and foremost, thanks again for having us today. We invite our guests listening to visit blacksoilky.com. You can shop with us at shopblacksoilky.com. Visit us at Gray Line Station at Julieta Market, Thursday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. and Sunday, 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. to shop the recipe, our year-round indoor farmer's market. Thanks again. Everyone, please help me give a warm welcome to Christian Motley. Welcome, Christian. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us today for the show. So before we get started, tell us about yourself. What are you getting yourself into these days? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing about as well as I can be. Um, Kate, you know, I grew up a little bit more to the south than uh, Kentucky. I'm from Alabama originally. And so uh, all this snow is is wearing me out here lately. Wild. <laughs> it's wild. I can't even get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm doing well. I'm doing well otherwise, be- better than I deserve. So I know you're super involved in Lexington. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, 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 t- I can be a little bit of a, uh, a busy body. Um, and, and there's a lot to get into. Um, for some folks, they know it's, uh, it's the legislative session um, uh, in Frankfurt, and I support um, the United Way uh, Policy Advisory Committee, which uh, launched uh, just last year, um, kind of before things got uh, crazy. Uh, but we've been doing the work of it, of, of advocating, particularly uh, on behalf of the, ch- the early childhood sector and folks who work in child care, um, recognizing just how important it has been. Um, and we know that United Way does so much to support um, youth and, and families uh, in this community. So I've been proud to um, support that effort. Um, uh, you know, uh, I have been really glad here lately to um, have joined the um, Lexington Black Prosperity Initiative uh, at uh, the Bluegrass Community Foundation. I got a phone call from Lisa Higgins Horde. Um, it must have been early 2020. And um, I don't make a habit of, of telling her no. And some folks may have seen recently, um, just before Christmas, the announcement of the, the grassroots leader uh, leaders who um, we would just want to recognize some of those unsung heroes, those hometown heroes here uh, in Lexington who've been doing uh, work across the board for, for young folks, uh, violence prevention, uh, you name it. And um, we're about to roll into uh, this next phase, which includes the sort of mental health um, 
aspect. And so it's, it's uh, been a busy committee, um, but, but I've enjoyed the work. So yeah, there's, there's plenty to get into, especially, um, especially now, Kate, you know, I think what we saw in 2020 was this recognition of uh, the, these twin pandemics, you know, one being the, uh, the, 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 the public health crisis that has been uh, COVID-19, and the second um, being this, this sort of reckoning that we're having around uh, racial justice. I see um, the work of this advisory committee um, and so many community partners who, who are recognizing this moment are trying to figure out what can we do um, you know, in, our, in our roles uh, to make a contribution to, to make Lexington a, a place of belonging, uh, but to also ensure that as we try to recover from this public health crisis, um, that it's an equitable recovery that ensures that, that, you know, that we all make it together. What drew you to being a part of the Lexington Black Prosperity Initiative? Why did you decide to say yes and jump in? Yeah, well, uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, early on, I did not know exactly um, who the full advisory committee would be. Um, but first, I would say um, just knowing that it's something that Lisa Higgins Ward and Tiffany Daniels, uh, Dr. Tiffany Daniels, would be um, helping to lead. You know, I, I've gotten a chance to to get to know uh, both of these uh, these powerhouses uh, here in, in Lexington, and I know that they they do good work. And anytime that they're a part of something, I know um, that it's going to be something that that is working towards getting actual you know real results. Um, you know, I also have gotten to know uh, the work of the Bluegrass Community Foundation over the years. You know, I um, was one of the folks who uh, you know I probably first. Um, started to engage. It was around on the table um, that started, you know, several years ago. And I was just kind of one of these participants that wanted to, um, you know, join these conversations that were happening across the city. For folks who don't know, on the table is sort of this this movement that has grown nationally. Um, that I was brought here to to Lexington, and so there's folks who are just um, talking about, um, you know, the kind of critical issues of the day. Um, the most recent conversation I remember was around just kind of race and belonging. I think it, it's something that uh, has proven to be really important uh, to, to meet this moment. Um, you know, from there, you know, I participated in things like BGCF 365. I was on the, the, uh, on the table engagement committee that sort of kind of helped plot out um, what things will look like. I've served in diff just different capacities at BGCF, and so I understand um, the powerful role that they play. And so to see these forces come together and then later, understanding that uh, you know I had uh, such such good many good friends and folks that I respect uh, who are serving on the advisory committee to know that they you know there's a uh, a funded effort and folks who've been so generous to to make these investments I, I mean it's just seeing these forces come together knowing that we'd be able to to really uh, make a powerful contribution I love what you said about you know this collaboration idea where everyone from all different aspects of life comes together and through collaboration, through places like BGCF and through this awesome initiative that's happening, you know, we can come together, which is something that we obviously really need to do right now and create actual tangible change. This initiative, the, I'm going to just use an acronym, how about that? The LVPI. Sure. <laughs> this initiative has already done so much in such a short time. So what needs have you, you've kind of talked about this already, but what needs have you seen have been met by the services of the Lexington Black Prosperity Initiative. Yeah, I think um, I think it comes at a critical moment. You know, again, I mentioned the this, these sort of twin pandemics and a recognition that um, we still have so much work to do um, when it comes to ensuring that 
everybody in our community can meet their God-given potential. We know that there's these sort of systemic barriers that exist for um, folks of color, uh, poor and working folks, and, 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 and so many others. So I think this is, uh, this is an opportunity to really um, zero in on particularly the, uh, the racial inequity that exists. You know, what we are seeing, and I think there's, there's more to come in this, in this first phase, I think you're sort of pointing, we're pointing out um, the importance of the grassroots in this, in this effort. Um, so again, one of the first things that the community saw from us was um, something that was not just about, not just about highlighting an award. It is highlighting the work and the contributions of folks um, and understand the different sectors that those folks come from um, and the importance of the work that they do. And they're providing a small investment to help them continue that effort um, when we know that they may not have the development staff to be able to put together the nice prospectus to go uh, from foundation to, uh, from you know, philanthropist to philanthropist with, right? So highlighting their work, but then also recognizing, you know, that, that there's some of those barriers that exist. And so we wanted to um, invest in, in good work. You know, this next piece that we're seeing, it's, um, they're called Healing Circles. We partnered with um, Dr. Hargens, who's been a nationally recognized uh, mental health professional um, who's pulling together healing circles. And so spaces where, you know, women can connect with other women, men can connect with other men, families can connect with families over the course of six weeks. Um, these folks will um, connect and, and have powerful conversations in a, in, a, in a group setting with folks who know what they're doing. Because um, we know that there's just been so much trauma, again, not just from, uh, for, for me, somebody who can be an extrovert, uh, who's been in the house for uh, what's uh, coming up on a year now, um, and knowing the impact that that has had on our on our psyche, but but also knowing the the deep trauma that has been felt in the in the black community as a as a, as a result of the the violence and 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 the trauma that that is that that brings upon us, and so we want to be able to highlight that and you know remove any uh, stigma around uh, taking care of your mental health, and and so we think that that's an important investment as well. And uh, I'd say stay tuned. Um, you know, I'm I'm following the lead of. Uh, uh, our fearless leaders, uh, Dr. Uh, Daniels and, and Lisa Higgins Ward, who who are really taking an innovative approach to doing this work. And yeah, just just keep an eye out for us. There's just much more to see. So you have such a unique voice and perspective. Do you have any personal goals as a committee member of this? Just personal things that you would like to see happen? Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, uh, for me, you know, Lexington is my home and it is, it is um, it, it's really important to me that that our home is a place for belonging, a place where um, no matter where you come from, uh, what your family background may be, what, no matter your economic circumstance, that um, you can find a place um, and you believe that you can thrive uh, here in Lexington. In my professional life, I work for a nonprofit that works across the country um, supporting uh, the improvement, really focused on education and economic mobility and this idea of improving outcomes, but also closing disparities. And I think here in our community, um, you know, the best first step we can take is really thinking about, you know, how do we close these uh, wicked disparities that exist, particularly across race? And I think that's the work that's happening here in our community right now. You've already talked a lot about, which I loved, your involvement with BGCF and what a great step that is to really being involved with your community and having your hands in community and giving and serving and how important that is. But what is the greatest lesson you have learned from being involved in your community? 
I think it's the idea that we all belong to each other. You know, we are, you know, I think it was Dr. King that sort of talked about the, um, our, our mutuality. Um, and I, I think in order to, again, to, to find true community, it's, it's um, you know, making it a place of, of belonging. So that's the work that I'm about. I think that's the work of this committee. And I think we find just such, such good partners um, in this work and a powerful learning I've had here um, in this community is that Lexington um, is, a, is, a, is a generous place. Um, but you gotta, you gotta ask. And so it's, it's just, if you think about the way that the, um, the, um, what do we call it? The, the L LBPI. Yes. Um, I have to think about uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the way the initiative came about was, was really quick. I think in part because, you know, as, as, you know, I'll just describe as the world shook. Um, I think in, in 2020, you found so many folks who, and I think it was institutions and individuals who were asking, you know, what can I do? And I think there were people who, um, you know, in that moment were doing the important self-work that I think is, is really critical. Folks who are finding a way in their roles, no matter what role they played in our community, um, whether they were at the, the coffee shop or they had some sort of um, institutional role uh, at a company. But we're asking kind of what can we do in our system um, to, to contribute to creating this sort of sense of belonging in our community. And I think what we also found is that folks who had, you know, access to resources, um, philanthropic resources said, you know, we want to make an investment. Is there a place? And so, you know, this fund was created at uh, BGCF and we've seen such just um, uh, generous donations that have, that have been made by both folks who have made large gifts, but I'm thinking about the, the giving day, I think, that follows, is it follow Christmas? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had significant donations from individual folks who were given, you know, five, 10, and uh, $20 um, to, to make an investment in that fund. And that matters as well. We've got a lot of generous folks in, in our community who recognize this as a need and, and somewhere that we want to uh, make deep impact. So we are going to end on a high note here with a strong call to action. You are a great example and embodiment of this next question, but why should others get involved in their community? You talk a lot about, and I think this committee is focused a lot on young people and raising up leaders and creating tangible change that lasts for generations, you know? So why should we encourage young people to get involved in their community? And why should people that maybe aren't involved get involved? Because this this community can't be all that it should if we all don't lean in and consider what contributions that we can make. This is something that um, this community belongs to all of us and we all have a role to play. And so whether you are you know, mentoring with big brothers, big sisters, like I do, or um, you are you know, visiting with uh, uh, seniors, if you are a senior person who um, goes in and reads to uh, young folks, if you are uh, the coffee shop owner who is creating a space where you know folks can come in and, and feel welcome and perhaps cre- connect across difference with us, which I think is so critically important. You know we're so uh, divided in these times. You know we need more spaces where we can connect with folks who perhaps believe different or come from a different background or different space than we do. So we all have a contribution um, to make, and I think when we recognize that and we all lean into um, that, that, those contributions and the, and the mission that we hold, which in, in my mind is to create a Lexington where everybody feels like they can belong, man, uh, you know, uh, what a place that, um, you know, our community could become, I think. That's right. 
Well, Christian, that's it. Thank you for sharing and being an active part of the Lexington Black Prosperity Initiative. You all are doing great work and we can't wait to see what happens in the year 2021. Lots of good, positive things are going to happen and I can't wait to see. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Uh, Sending good vibes. We want to get to know the hearts and minds behind the Lexington Black Prosperity Initiative. So let's welcome Andrea James, one of the committee members. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course. Please tell us about yourself and what you do. Uh, Currently, I work in the mayor's office, and my role is on working on opioid, um, the opioid response, as well as some of the racial equality and justice work um, that's been recommended over the past year or so. Um, But my background is I'm born and raised here in Lexington, um, moved away for a bit, came back, um, uh, and did a lot of work in community to root myself in community. I just kind of got the community engagement bug early on, learned a little bit about leadership and engagement community um, through taking uh, Dr. Aridia Walker's Citizens Leadership Academy that found, just found an interest there in working in issues um, that affect the entire community. Um, And then I went on to be part of uh, the United Way's Get On Board program. So I was in their inaugural class and I'm not sure if Bluegrass Community Foundation had anything to do with that from the beginning or not, but um, Susie Cavanaugh was the lead there. And as a part of that work um, and that program, I actually was introduced to BGCF as part of that. So BGCF was my very first board placement upon graduation from that program. I was part of the advisory board for the donor advised fund at BGCF. That would have been like maybe 2004, 2005. Yeah. And that started kind of my engagement and community. I went on to run for office. I served on Lexington city council as the first black woman and got to work a lot with BGCF at the time because we were working on initiatives like the legacy trail, um, the lyric theater, um, art in motion bus stops, A lot of the overlapping work that was happening at BGCF, we were working on as part of the Easton Small Area Plan, Central Sector Small Area Plan. So I got to know a lot of the folks there at BGCF. And there were some consultants, Beth Wilmot, Steve Austin, that worked with, if you've been there um, for any amount of time at BGCF, you'll know that, or if you've been affiliated with it, you'll remember Beth Wilmot and Steve Austin having a big role in the Legacy Trail initiative. So And then I started working at BGCF. So I actually worked there for a couple of years after I retired from council. So you're part of the family. (laughs) I am. Yeah, I was there. I was a program manager on equity initiatives um, back then. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. So I want to, this is not part of the questions that I had for you, but during a lot of these interviews, I've noticed that people are like, I was born and raised in Lexington or I moved away and came back. So I just want to know why you came back to Lexington and why you chose to invest here. It was kind of, kicking and screaming. I didn't really want to come back. Me too, um, actually. <laughs> you too? Yes. Um, there's something about it though. There is, I think for my husband, it was comfort. When we, once we came back, we, we raised our children on the same street where he grew up. Like there was something comfortable about Lexington for him. I was uncomfortable with Lexington. I really didn't, after being away, and even when I was here before we moved, something just didn't feel right. It felt, I don't know, some, it didn't feel inclusive to me. I, I felt like there were these silos and pockets of privilege and influence. I didn't know if I wanted to be a part of that. And even if I could be a part of it, if I want, if, if I wanted to, or how I would do it if I wanted to be a part of it. 
and what that meant for me, for my family, for my children's future here and that sort of thing. Um, so kicking and stream, screaming, I came back. After being here, I realized that sometimes you have to be in a place where you feel like more needs to be done to give you uh, a reason, to give you purpose. So I don't know if I would have been as inspired to do community work if I were in any other place. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Working towards something, having a goal towards yeah. better and positive change, which is what you're doing also with the Lexington Black Prosperity Initiative, being That's a right. training member. Why were you like, yes, I want to be a part of this initiative? Or how did that collaboration happen? It, a bit selfishly, um, I wanted to be a part of it because when I was there at the foundation, like I said, I was program manager of equity initiatives, and we were doing a lot of projects and programs, but I felt like something was missing. I have a very critical eye. Um, and what I felt like was missing was the, the actual philanthropy part that included black people. And I talked with Lisa Atkins at the time and I was like, you know, can we do, can we look at doing something like a black fund? Um, it was, there were black funds, Hispanic funds being created all over the nation at that time. Um, in some bigger cities, places like Chicago and where Lisa's from, Kansas City, uh, of course, Los Angeles, New York, D.C., Baltimore. They were doing these black initiatives and minority initiatives and actually did some work on that while I was there at the foundation. And I joined an organization called APFI. It's the Association for Black Foundation Executives. I was an executive. I was a lower, lower end employee. But um, because I was the only person of color that worked there at the foundation, uh, Lisa let me engage in that. And I learned so much about the power of decision making when it comes to philanthropic work and how we can't just do projects and programs that it takes a kind of a, we need to be more deeply rooted in the community, especially the black community and figuring out like, what does philanthropy mean to the black community? So selfishly, when Lisa Higgins poured and Lisa Atkins called and said, would you like to be involved? I was jumping up and down inside because I felt like those were seeds that were planted a long time ago um, when I was working there. I guess the events of the past few years have caused people to respond maybe more out of necessity now, um, where I felt like back then it was probably more out of innovation if we were to do anything. Um, but I was so glad that those seeds have been planted and have been watered all those years and then grew above soil. So I was thrilled to be a part of it and have thoroughly enjoyed the work of the, of the initiative so far. What a full circle experience for you, which is really cool. It's magical. I didn't even realize the full circle until you sent me the questions uh, that you're yeah. going to ask me. And I was like, it really does make sense. But, you know, there was a friend that used to work with the community foundation um, and lived in my neighborhood. And she'd say how things are rooted is how they grow. And so I believe in rooting things well. And I think some of this work was rooted really well and has allowed it to really grow and prosper in this short amount of time. I think it's doing phenomenal. Yeah. So being a committee member of a group such as this is an honor, of course, but it's also a responsibility too. So what are your personal goals for, you've kind of already mentioned them a little bit, but for the Lexington Black Prosperity Initiative as a committee member? I don't really have personal goal. There's an um, emotion and feel that I'd like to see happen um, as a collaborative though, as the whole group. 
um, which I think is the power of the group, is that we really do collaborate very well, I think, and we're all very different. Um, but I think if any, if I had to name something, it would probably just to inspire others to be uh, more inclusive um, in their decision making. So I've had a lot of calls from people since the initiative started saying how happy they are about it um, and how they think this is transformative work, um, not just for the black community, but for every community who feels like that they haven't been part uh, of the philanthropic world um, here in Lexington. And so I think just kind of, I'm just hoping that people see this, that we can do it well, and that people see this as a method to having more diversity and inclusion at the table when it comes to philanthropy. Because I think every community does philanthropy different. I've always thought it was so interesting, the analogy between, you know, a equity fund and equity when it comes to people. And I think there's a lot of analogies that we can use there, right? So as soon as you have a return on your investment um, and you have that extra equity in something, you reinvest it. And I think the same thing with people, right? So for many communities, our people are resources where we don't have dynasties and legacies of money, of uh, companies, of land, um, things like that. We do have people. And so I, I've seen that analogy and I'd like to see us play that out through the initiative and then see other people, like how can we how can we encourage the um, Hispanic community to do a similar thing? How can we encourage the refugee community to do a similar thing? How can we um, inspire like rural Appalachia folks to do a similar thing? Because our goals, our objectives are sometimes very unique based on our culture, but there is some overlap and some things that we can learn from the way philanthropy work has been done traditionally and vice versa, I think. I love what you're talking about with the roots, like not just focusing on the fruit, but really making sure that we're rooted in transformative philanthropy, which initiative has already launched so many things. I feel like the grassroots black leadership awards, the racial healing circles, and there's more in the works already. What needs are being met by the services of the Lexington black prosperity initiative here in Lexington? I think like, as you mentioned, um, it, it's those kinds of direct things. So funding and supporting folks that are doing the grassroots work without a hitch, you know, there's not a hitch to be involved. A lot of times if there's some kind of uh, commitment that someone has to do, sometimes you can just acknowledge people and that's enough to inspire them to action, to more action and to give them that nod. And I think that's what we heard from the leadership awards is people said, it's nice to just to be recognized. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't, people don't ask for that, but when you get it, it's very humbling and inspiring at the same time. So I think that need is being met, but I think greater, just greater than that, it is, goes back to the, the thing about being more inclusive. It just, the need is an overarching, it's bigger than just the individual things that we're doing. It's changing, it's transforming the way in which we engage with people when it comes to uh, resources, whether it's funds or people or collaboration, like whatever that resource is. I think it's really, for me, it's more about that. And I love that we are the, the racial healing circle um, and the acknowledging the black community uh, leaders are phenomenal, but it's transforming the way we feel, the way Lexingtonians, the way black Lexingtonians and white feel about the role of black people in this city. 
if you're a nonprofit, it's not just about getting a donation um, from someone who has money. It's about the full circle. Like you talked about, it's about what's going to encourage people to invest. What's going to interest them in investing in this? What makes the program lucrative? What makes this program be that response to the community? It's holding people more personally accountable for them to put themselves in check. Like, how am I answering the call to serve in a way that addresses equity, diversity, and inclusion in the work that I'm doing? I feel like it's causing people to say, maybe I'm not doing enough. You know, maybe, I, maybe the way we've been doing this for 30 years is not the best way to do it. Let's reevaluate that. I'm seeing that a lot. People are stepping back. So I think the need it's fulfilling is the overall community transformation that's needed as we address issues moving forward. You know, the world is going to look dif different um, 30 to 40 years from now. We need all people at the table in order for us to sustain as a community. Um, so I think the need is really just based on, it really is a need. It's a necessity for us to figure out how to have more inclusive conversations and make sure that not just bringing people to the table, but really engaging with them and letting them lead the table and lead the discussions. Yeah. What you're saying is a perfect segue into the next question, which is being involved with the Bluegrass Community Foundation. Obviously you have, which I didn't even know, but you get a look into many different facets of our community and, and the good that is happening, of course, but also the work that still needs to be done as well. So it's a fruitful experience. So what is the greatest lesson that you have learned from being so involved in our community? I try to narrow that down to one. I, I could say it's a hard question. <laughs> I could. So I have three and I'll go really quickly. There one thing my husband taught me because you know he's my my confidant, right? And he taught me about being on the hill and not in the weeds. As you're trying to work through something, trying to see a path to something, you can't find a path if you're in the weeds. You have to get on a higher plateau in order to do that doesn't mean you're better than anybody. It's just kind of a temporary placement above the weeds and the messiness to see your path. Um, the second one is something anybody that knows me, I say it all the time. You know, I work, have worked closely with Richard Young. I talk about this a lot with Richard as, as he worked at NOICDC and with rooting his work at Civic Legs. Asking, is it true? So no matter what you are approached with, and before you make any decisions that are going to be tough to pull back from, you have to ask if every component of what you are assuming is true. You just can't make assumptions. If you make steps based on non-truths or based on your own personal assumptions, it may not be the wisest decision. It might not be the most sustainable. And so that's something I ask myself before everything is, is it true? And I test it. Um, and then the last thing is what I mentioned before, our, our, my friend Sherry Maddock that used to live here in Lexington and did a lot of work with the foundation. And she would say how things are rooted is how they grow. And I never forgot that. I use it in my daily life that if you take the time, don't rush to do things, put things the way that they should be to prosper from the beginning. And that means some things won't happen quickly. That means it's time. It's right. It's that means you're going to have to talk to somebody that you may not want to talk to or that you're not used to talking with. It means that you might have to put something just on a shelf. I've got, you know, 24 projects in an Asana platform right now. It's not time for those things right now. 
Um, but when it's time to root those things and I find the right soil or find the right pot or find the right placement or find the right sunlight or find the right people or find the right resources or find the right time, just like with this initiative, it will be time to plant that at some point. But do your work and do your due diligence, but um, do it well. So how things are rooted is how they grow. If you, if you plant a potato upside down, you're never going to find it. Right. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. So we're going to end with a really strong call to action. I feel like you're the perfect person to do this. You've been really informative and I just have loved what you've said, but why should others get involved in their community? I think you said at the very beginning, I caught the community engagement bug. Why should others get that bug? How can they do it? I think do it when you feel moved to do it. Don't do it because others say you should do it. If you're not a solution person, don't be involved in community because as I heard Councilmember James Brown say recently, being involved in community is really problem solving. It's a lot of problem solving because you bring your own baggage to the table, no matter where you are and no matter who you are. We bring our own biases and our baggage. So you're working through a whole lot of muck just to get um, to some kind of fruit um, in the midst of all of it. So do it when you feel moved to do it. And then tell other people you're doing it and that's what your mission is. And then take your daily steps towards whatever that is. If you ever feel checked out and you feel like you're not investing yourself as others should, nobody else should be as more enthused about your project than you. That's why you get involved because you want to. I love it. I feel like what we've just done is a tiny little example of bringing your baggage to the table and bridging gaps and having a conversation about solutions for our community. Even though you and I are very different, we've done that today. So thank you for sharing your story. You've spoken a lot of truth and I've loved it so much. And I'm sure our listeners have as well. So it was nice to meet you and we really nice appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Yes. Our next featured honoree is Alicia, and we can't wait to hear his story. Welcome, Alicia. How are you? I'm doing good. Great. I want you just for our listeners to say your full name because it's beautiful. Yes. My name is Alicia. Uh, my middle name is Chito Mutayongwa. Uh, and Chito is for twins' names. So I have a twin brother. Uh, and so that's where Chito comes from. Oh, nice. That's such a cool fact. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Uh, well, uh, my name is Alicia again, and, <laughs> and um, I, I work with Rafiki Center, uh, co-founder. Um, in 2019, my, me and my little brother uh, co-found Rafiki Center, and um, Actually, we lost him uh, last year, 2020, in you know, on the 4th of July. Um, so, but we started the Refugee Center with him and um, through a lot of uh, work and advocacy in our community, we found the need to get engaged and um, uh, advocate for uh, Swahili speaking community in Lexington. Yes. So how long have you been in Lexington? When did the Refugee Center start? So the Refugee Center started in 2019, but we've been in Lexington since 2012. Uh, okay. It's such an interesting and awesome organization. So tell us a little bit more how it came to be. I know you've kind of done that already, but in what the mission is as well. Yes. Uh, when I was, uh, when we moved here in 2012, uh, just we didn't know any much. We didn't, you know, and most people don't know about resettlement and how it worked. So we basically didn't choose to be in Lexington. Uh, they just 
whatever they do in the office, hey, you're gonna end up to Lexington. So we end up here in a cold December. It was almost in <laughs> uh, January. I think it was January first. We, you know, uh, and it was a cold December. We end up here. We start going, you know, to high school because I was still able to go to high school. Um, but I was facing, you know, doing high school. I faced a little bit bullying. People would make fun of me because of my accent. Um, I end up going to BCTC, you know, and even at BCTC, I was still passionate about community and, you know, I also faced a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't say discrimination, but a teacher questioned me one time and he was like, um, who told you to take my class? Did you take all your English classes? You know, all that stuff. So, you know, so it kind of started putting me in the position where, you know, I was judged because of my accent. I was bullied because of, you know, I speak differently. Um, and it started pushing me in that direction. You know, I need to do something for our community at large uh, about other people that are facing different stories that's different than me. Uh, <clears throat> so that they set up a foundation um, and i was talking to my english teacher one time i was like i'm really passionate i didn't i want to do something for a community i want to start an organization i want to see how we can advocate how we can help you know and that started you know just an idea in my mind um, but then attending some conferences meetings uh with um, uh, kentucky refugee ministry and a lot of conferences um People often will ask me a question, what can we do? You know, what can you do to help? And I'll refer them to, you know, there's this thing going on in Africa, there's this thing going on. But then I'll go back home and I'm like, hey, what can I do by myself? So that's how, you know, the idea of a fixed center started coming alive. Great. So do you all have classes? What kind of programming and things do you do like that? So we do have, um, um, we started with a, a kids program. Uh, I, you know, they, when I started kids program, the idea was to start creating an environment, you know, and a place where they can feel belong. Um, a lot of our kids, they either raised in a refugee camp or in a camp, or they, they came here when they're little. So there's some accent of their culture and their values, but they get lost along the way. Um, and some of them was the language. So we'd be like, well, we can start have some summer program for the kids and just let them come hang out with their other friends that speak the same language. And then let us teach them the, you know, whatever they're liking a little bit. And also emphasize a little bit on the culture. And so that's a big part of our program because uh, 2019, before Corona started, our classes were like 40, uh, 30, you know, classes. Wow. And last day of our class, we had like maybe 120 class students. Wow. So it was very, you know, uh, uh, the growth was a little bit. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. So then we do uh, youth conferences. We It is more from high school age, college age. And we did that last year. And that was very, uh, um, we do, that was mostly for connecting and also start building. Uh, connection with each other and start, you know, uh, just create a conversation between our young adults and how, you know, they can network, how they can get involved in a community Lexington, how they can get in politics and all that stuff. So that was also a very uh, successful. Uh, we do adult class, which is offered to anybody. And that, you know, we did it on person 2019. We're doing it online um, with Corona. So those are 
most of the stuff we do. We also do uh, backpacks, you know, for kids. So it's a little bit of stuff that we, the work that you do, obviously there's such a need for it. And I love how you have that personal story to go along with the work that you do, which is so great. Have you seen the impact of the Rafiki Center on our community of Lexington? Uh, so I think when, when I think we have coming with a big impact because um, our first, our first class, other class was mainly teachers and people that are working a day to day, you know, People, you know, day to day uh, living with, our, with, you know, with our community. Um, so, and they start embracing, they want to learn, they want to know a little bit if, you know, we have a student that speaks Swahili and a teacher can approach them with just one word in Swahili, they feel welcome, they feel belong. So, um, that already having an impact and also, you know, yeah, so that it's already giving an impact because a lot of, you know, communities embracing the language part, but we also want to uh, bring, you know, show them our culture because one of our kids were, were bullied in school because they smell, they, they smell food and a lot of our household, you know, we cook most of the time. So if they cook in a house fish and when they go back to school, they're going to be smelling the smell of fish if they didn't put in, you know, and the teacher, uh, they did not approach it really well. I had a little bit of about it, and I'm like, I think we need to start educating our community and learn, um, because if we take it two minutes, okay, let's learn about their culture. You know, they cook most of the time. They don't eat outside. Maybe this is why they may be smelling food, um, but the approach of it and the bullying of it, it just did not um, uh, resonate really well. Because I'm like, you know, we need to learn. We need to embrace, you know, our, our diversity here in Lexington. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. What you just said is exactly why you were selected as an honoree of the Grassroots Black Leadership Award because of your position on the front lines, leading the vital work of addressing the Black community across Lexington. So, describe what this award means to you personally. So that was uh, really, uh, uh, I was grateful. One of those things where you. You have so many ideas and when you put them on the paper when you put them in action and when you're working on them um but when you see get people appreciate it and people um see the value of what you bring on the table it's really uplifting um and then it's not just you know and i was i was talking to my brothers like you know it's not just about me because the community that embraced the vision, they let their kids come to our program. They believe and they saw the need, you know, this means a lot to them too as well because they know um, they've been represented, they've been, um, um, yeah. Yeah, so obviously you get $2,500 with this award. So what are your plans for further expanding and developing due to this? So, uh, the plan to expand, we, uh, with the coronavirus, we obviously had a little, a lot of limitations, um, but we're looking into how can you engage more, you know, community, how can our kids uh, and our, our youth conference get better? Uh, because our kids, you know, when we create a community, we want to touch in all the base of the community. We don't want to just, you know, teach them the language, but we also want to, you know, um, if it's possible, 
show them or connect them to hands-on or connect them to you know other things that can benefit them um, because a lot of our parents they they have to be you know during the summer program summertime they have to be okay I, I gotta babysit my kids or I have to work full-time to keep up with the utility or bills uh, but with the program we just want to you know we want to expand and make sure if we can connect with uh, people that are doing um, agriculture doing anything that kids can learn and also you know even if it's like a swimming class even if it just you know something that when they go back to school they'll be like yeah we did this too as well you know we had a community that's care and it's doing you know yeah so you were an active part of creating change in our community we've seen that throughout this whole interview seeing a need and having the courage to step up and do something about it is really hard work so what has been the most rewarding experience for you working in the community through activism so uh the most rewarding thing for me i think is just to see how people come together because uh, most of the time we feel like when we are individually in our own corners we feel separate we feel you know different but when we brought the youth together, we brought the kids together and the you know, class together. It's very rewarding because uh, we all share a lot in common. We have so much passion in common. We just need to bring us, you know, uh, something to bring us together to see all that stuff that we have in common. So uh, just seeing people coming together has been always very rewarding. I love that. That is very true. So hopefully these grassroots awards create a ripple effect of solution-minded individuals. And so what advice would you give to young people today, which I know you work a lot with through the Rafiki Center, um, who also want to be a part of this positive change? So I will always tell them, you know, um, you have to, you know, because for me, I, I hold on it for a little bit because I, I was asking myself so many questions, you know, uh, can I do it? Is it possible? Uh, so I would advise the youth, if you, you know, if you see the need to step in and do something about it. Uh, a lot of our, our program, we just, we didn't know, you know, we didn't know what to do exactly. We just, how can we accomplish it? And we go on that and we find out, okay, can I call this person? Can I do this? So we just, uh, we found solution along the way, but we have to take the fast steps and fast initiative. That's right. We are rounding the corner here to the end of this. So shout out what you all are planning to do for the rest of the year, what you're excited about, what we can be expecting from you. Yes, uh, I will first of all say thank you to Progress uh, Community Fund uh, for the, you know, for the work they're doing and to be able to uh, uh, to shine a light on small grassroots organizations like us. Um, and also some of us that are, you know, Either sometimes you have to put some of your money in some of the program, you know, and trying to figure out how can this be funded? How can this, you know, uh, I just want to say thank you to that Lexington community at large and people that have embraced our, our program. Um, also want to encourage people to learn um, and to be inclusive because I think a lot of our, our, our struggle that we face in our large is mostly um, we don't there's a lot of uh, division going on in the world and in the country, but we need to be inclusive, intentionally inclusive, because uh, our community is growing and um, we are neighbors. Uh, we are the neighbors. You know, we just need to get inclusive and, you know, get learn, uh, learn your neighbors, learn what's going on in your community, uh, be aware, support as much as you can, uh, share their posts on Facebook if you see it. 
you know, so other people can see and get encouraged and learn what's going on. I would love for you to share where our listeners can find out more about you, your website, your social media, where can people find you and learn more about you, like you said. <laughs> so we are uh, uh, a Center on Facebook and Instagram. Um, we also have Rafiki Center, um, the talk. Um, but our Facebook is really much, a little more active. Um, yeah, that's where you can find a lot of our work. We post regularly about our class uh, when we're doing our classes, um, uh, youth programs or kids programs. So we do all that over there. Great. I'd like for you to say something in Swahili before we go. Could you do that? So, like, thank you for listening. Asante sana kwa kutusikiliza leo. Tunashukuru na asante kabisa. <laughs> That's way better than anything I could say. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. We really appreciate it. All right. Uh, can you say jumbo? That's how we say hello. Jumbo. Jumbo. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was so nice to talk with you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. That is it. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you were encouraged by the stories of good happening right here in our community. I definitely know that I am. Make sure you tune in next Monday for more good stories and the next installment of the Do Good Radio Hour.